Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Baldies 2020 Deliberations. Um, this is us showing our work. You know, a lot of times the Oscars don't don't show like, you know, they never do for what and why they never do. And the Emmys is very opaque process. Insiders. We say, fuck all that. This is just me and Jim arguing about stuff. However, it's kind of long and tedious. It takes a lot of time to for us to duke it out and figure out what should be crowned uh, for for best Baldy of each year. Um, so if you don't want to spend several hours watching us argue about what it was good and bad about 2020, you just want to hear the winners, um, then, then yeah, go, go listen, look at, listen to the award ceremony. This is for the diehards, I guess, for the people that just, just like this kind of bonus content. We are going to be talking about some minor baldy categories today. Um, but some of the more fun ones, uh, biggest miss. Which is defined as uh, what thing Bald Move did not cover that probably should have uh, mm-hmm. for our own financial and, uh, um, and, and, and popularity reasons. Our own self-interest. Best documentary and self-interest. Best documentary, that's, that's pretty uh, self-explanatory. Biggest surprise, these are the things that we didn't think much of or weren't even aware that kind of blew us away this year. And high risk versus high reward things that boy seem like a big risk that uh, that 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 no one had to undertake, you know, properties that were cold and dead that were tried to resurrect sequels of um, uh, successful standalone things, um, you know, sophomore albums, those those kind of things, uh, you know, you could have cashed out and, and, and you, 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 you pushed all your chips back in. That's the, the things we're going to be talking about today. Um, first up, biggest miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we can start by just, you know, since a lot of people listen to some podcast form, reading uh, by our lights what the biggest miss is. Now, we're going to be soliciting all this information from the, the viewers, uh, from the listeners in an upcoming poll. But as we saw it, Plot Against America, Euphoria, Queen's Gambit, The Outsider, The Tiger King. I may destroy you, the good Lord Bird, and Tenet, the Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, shall we go down here one by one and talk about like what these things might be and why we might have, um, you know, missed on them? Yeah. Um, so starting with you know just the first on our list, these are in no particular order at the moment. Um, uh, the plot against America. I have only seen the first episode of that. I keep meaning to get back to it, but it's one of those like heavy shows um, mm-hmm. that you got to be in a certain mood to watch. And I just haven't <laughs> with all the shit that's been going down in this country at the, this point, I, you know, it's never more timely, but also uh, it makes me not want to watch it at the moment. It actually so. might not be as timely now. You might have waited long enough to where, like, you know, the, Maybe. the real things that hit you might not hit you is the same. But who knows? Because so, so just in case you didn't know, this is David Simon's uh, latest miniseries project. Right. You know, if you don't know who David Simon is, he is uh, a writer and showrunner for a lot of the the best shows on television: um, The Wire, The Deuce, um, wrote ho- Homicide, Life in the Streets, um, uh, The Deuce, um, Show Me a Hero. Um, Tremaine, what's the hurricane Tremaine. Yeah. So he made a, a really thoughtful kind of take, um, as a, a Jewish American on America's last flirt with fascism, 
which is this is based this is kind of like an alternate history but it's based on the promise uh premise of um in in the the late 30s i think maybe early 40s um there is an election and uh you know in in our life in our real world fdr won and you know we lived our lives but in this universe his the the his challenger um uh charles Lindbergh, who was kind of like a nazi sympathizer uh or non-intervention like you know didn't want to get involved in the war in europe won and just a subtly different like the influences that were already in america what what influences those emboldened and certain rhetoric amongst the different races and classes. It, and I, it, was, it was really scary because it felt like we were going down a lot of tracks that way. Uh, and that was even before the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, closed off Canada's because a lot of, you know, in, in this uh, alternate history, a lot of American Jews. So I, I, I guess I should put my cards on the table. I watched this whole thing. I watched it months after it was released. Um, do you think it was a big miss for us because a lot of times these polarizing political things don't do well for us? Um, the people that need to hear it don't watch it. The people that w- don't need to hear it watch it, and it just gets them all worked up and and maybe doomer. And crucially, yeah. like David Simon stuff is never that popular, um, you know, amongst the mainstream. So, like. Is it a big miss for us? Probably not. Like, it's not going to win this category. I can certainly say that. Uh, it's a miss personally because I really want to see it and I haven't yet. But no, as far as Bald Move goes, I don't think covering this would have gained us much of anything. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Also, the other thing that must be said, the one reason that I didn't push for it is because it has an excellent companion podcast with David Simon himself. Uh, being led in the discussion with uh, Craig Mazin, the showrunner for the Chernobyl, who's a very mm-hmm. sharp guy and knows a thing or two about making films. Um, very similar to, I guess, what he did with The Watchmen and Lindelof. And I feel like, man, when you got an official podcast like that uh, and a self-evident story that's essentially, you know, it, it's a self-contained argument. I just didn't feel like maybe there's a lot for us to say. And and if, if we did do a show like this in the future, I think I would prefer to do it under Swizzbold, mm. you know? Yeah, we've got uh, that entertainment channel on Swizzbold now, so. Yeah, and then some people will be like, well, why would you s- shunt it off on the sister thing if it's something political? And I'm like, I guess that's exactly why I would, you know? Yeah. Um, before all this Trump stuff started, I had it. We, I should say we, had a pretty diverse audience. Like, I don't think there was any people that were, like, particularly bloody-minded, but, you know, we had more conservative folks because... Some things like The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, some of these action shows, Marvel stuff does appeal to a very mainstream audience. And you do get, you know, conservatives on there. And honestly, I think we were better off when we could make passing comments on things that kind of hit you in the head with the media we were watching and not have to, like, just beat people over the head with a particular agenda like David Simons want to do. And not that he's wrong with that, but like, I felt like we maybe were more effective at appealing to a broader type of person and taking them along like nudging them rather than having to just like be, like beat them so like yeah i kind of want to segregate all that stuff off to Swizzbold because i would like to start attracting an audience that i can influence again mm-hmm. uh you know um but i don't know that the reason people could disagree with that strategy uh euphoria well before we jump on to euphoria let me add something to this list 
and this might be controversial. Uh-oh. What do you think about Wonder Woman? Okay, 84? yeah, it's a good one to talk about. It's a good one to talk about, sure. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about it now, or just work our way down to Euphoria? Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, let's do Euphoria. Uh, so the reason, uh, I mean, everyone says that uh, Euphoria is a very kind of like insightful social piece and a lot of people were comparing it to like sharp objects i think um and it features zendaya which is just kind of like transcendental kind of like personality performer um and it's really well regarded it's like you know talks about the the problems of young people today but that's about all i know everyone i I know that i got we got a lot of feedback asking if we were going to cover it or expressing disappointment that we weren't covering it um i this heard more about this in the lead up just because I was watching HBO at the time and they were putting the trailer for this on other things on HBO that I was watching. I heard like nobody really talking about this and saying, Hey, you guys need to cover this. Are you going to cover that? Like maybe one or two, but not in the the volume that we usually get on a more mainstream popular show. Yeah. And I I will say that like, I do feel like we missed it because, um, it does seem like an interesting show and I do like that material. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. Yeah. Um, What they were showing me in the trailer where, you know, uh, a kid says this is the greatest moment of, of anyone's life that's ever existed. I'm like, uh, okay. This might not be up my alley. Um, that's the thing. Yeah, because like I think too, when people sometimes people say like, oh, you know, this thing is very much like this other thing that you guys like. So you probably will cover this. It's like they don't I don't know, because like honestly, Sharp Objects got me because of like the small town feel because mm-hmm. I can relate to growing up in a small town. It, uh, like the difficult relationship with parents and kind of the abusive like expectations and things are like it was that kind of stuff that drew me into it not like the necessarily coming of age kind of because i didn't have that kind of childhood i was squeaky clean growing up i didn't have premarital sex i wasn't doing drugs wasn't drinking you know uh you know my rebellion was intellectual (laughs) you know reading lord of the rings and and uh stories with ghosts and and spiritism in it um playing dungeons and dragons and playing violent video games it wasn't like literally raising hell and doing ecstasy and having a bunch of risky sex. So it, it's, it's possible that yeah. I wouldn't, uh, you know, have a lot of personal, because I, I think that's what people like really like when our personal experiences organically elevate the coverage of the material. And I don't know if it would happen here, but maybe I should try it. The problem I get, I guess, is like the the more bald move goes on, the more like each year I feel like, oh, yeah, there's like five or six things I probably should put on my list and get to. And now it's just like it's like. Every once in a while, I'll get a Deadwood off the list and and watch it or like a Sopranos. Mm -hmm. I'm right now working on it, but there's so much of that just stacks up more and more every year that like, nah, I think I'm just going to go with like the things that inherently interest me and fuck everything else. That's all I can do, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've pretty much come to terms with I'm never going to be able to watch all the television that I personally even want to watch, let alone the stuff that everybody thinks I should watch. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll just go like if it's personally interesting to me, or I think it has like, you know, undeniable appeal to a broad audience that we should probably be covering, which euphoria and plot against America, neither of those do our next one probably does. Like I, I heard more about the queen's gambit, 
in the last three months than I have maybe a show since it like in recent memory since like tiger king which is another one we'll be talking about on this mm-hmm. this category queen's gambit got a ton of attention for a show that you know I, I still haven't watched it but i know you know it's about a woman who plays chess right um doesn't seem inherently interesting to the masses but somehow this caught fire in a way that i didn't expect yeah it's funny because we were talking about this this is a while ago we were talking about how like this might have been a miss for us and it's like yeah we really like that the, like chess fiction and we were both enthusiastic about like <laughs> yeah we do and i'm like yeah like the like searching for bobby fisher and and that one scene in harry potter with wizards like there isn't a lot of really good chess fiction there's right not. but there's I, really not the, the stuff that they've made i because i do like chess i grew up playing chess i was in the chess club in junior high hmm. it's one thing i was able to you know like didn't have a lot of extracurricular activities and i my you know my mom you know my, my mom couldn't stop me from doing it um and i i like it i understand chess enough to like as you know it's like watching a sports movie of a sport you understand i mm-hmm. understand when the chess is good I also understand when the chess is kind of like bad. I like period pieces. I like stuff with interesting female characters. Anya Taylor Joy really impressed me in The Witch, and I've seen her in a couple things since. Oh, and right. I thought she's like a really good young actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas Brody, what's his face, uh, Jojen in uh, <laughs> okay. uh, Game of Thrones, and also the little kid from The Holiday or not The Holiday, um, Love Actually. There's there's some cast interest there too. Yeah. Feel, and, and yeah, it's like universally beloved, like 97% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I do feel like this was a bit of a miss, but yeah, what's the but? I thought you would like take it for it for me. Is there the a but? Well, is this okay, thing? Netflix. I mean, Netflix is the but here, like just dropping all of it all at once, right? Like an initial release of October 23rd, 2020. Like, we were man, busy. if we yeah. are not prepared to do something and the thing we were prepared to do is give full coverage to the to the expanse and like wrap up. What was the thing we were wrapping up? Like if uh, we're not ready on, and the boys was just going off the air. Yeah. If we're not ready to go, it's not going to happen in late October, November, December, because yeah. we are consumed with getting the Christmas stuff ready to go with wrapping up our stuff and getting our seat. Like, you know, there's just that's just a really tough time to drop. 10 episodes of television on and that's the thing about netflix right is you can never know until the thing actually drops and you get like three days of people going oh shit this is amazing everybody's talking about it colliders releasing their shit and you know you got 15 outlets saying this is the best thing since sliced bread you just never know with netflix because they also drop shows that they expect to be hits and they go nowhere. They completely fall flat. So and, and two years ago, we tried to literally watch everything that Netflix is coming out and it almost killed us. And also yep. it wasn't successful because yep. the vast majority of the stuff is not worth watching. Right. Like you, you really, really only want to cover stuff that like is inherently fascinating stuff that we're really intensely interested in because nobody wants us to just talk about, Oh yeah, it's an okay show. Yeah, yeah I guess it was okay. This scene was kind of well executed, kind of, but you know. So even if really you care. know it's coming out, you don't know if it, it's going to be good. You don't know if people are going to latch onto it. And by the time they do, it's already gone. Like, what? We're supposed to scramble a few days after the thing comes out and people started talking about it to get a podcast, a half assed podcast about it out in a week on an entire fucking thing, which will literally take all the time we have that week. Uh, yeah. while we're doing five other things, it's not going to happen. So it's a big miss. Yeah, to, but I, I remember thinking, cause I remember a lot of 
you know, professional critics decrying the binge. And you and I were kind of like, ah, oh, you dumb fuckers. You just can't keep up with us young, agile podcasters. Um, that was when Netflix was like another channel. Right. House and, of Cards know, was the or, only thing that dropped like that. Yeah, it was coming up and like, you know, that was it for the quarter. And then, you know, Stranger Things would drop and then some. Now it's like you've got that shit coming out every single week and four of it. Yeah. And, and not just on just, Netflix, but on 15 different channels. Right. And like it's getting harder and harder. And I. Yeah, like all all we can do is continue to the things that personally draw our attention uh, that we organically like and enjoy are looking forward to try to cover that and hope it hope it works out. So. And if something like Queen's Gambit hits um, and goes real big and we know it's coming out later for season two or something, we can pick it up then. But like season one yeah, covers I mean, of unknown quantities before we even know if they're going to be popular, let alone good. Uh, yeah, it's it's off the table, but this is a big miss, right? I yeah. think this like, goes honestly, to the top. Like, probably to the top so far because it's the most inherently interesting. It's the one that like when I saw it, I'm like, God, I wish I was I wish I could see it, but I had literally zero time to, to do so. Um The Outsider, uh The Outsider. Yeah. This um I I, I remember everyone saying this is like true detective and dark combined, and it yeah. just didn't look interesting to me. Um, That's wild. Um so it's based on a Stephen King book uh which i think depending on how you feel about stephen king uh could be a positive or a negative because i know a lot of adaptations of, of stephen king stuff have been subpar um even in recent memory uh, yeah i'm up and down on it like i didn't really like that castle rock i really like dr sleep you know right. like it, it, it really is two kind of adaptation uh it chapter two kind of felt like a retread yep so hit or miss on the Stephen King stuff. I watched the entirety of this series um, with my wife and we really enjoyed watching this week to week. Uh, this is an HBO release. And so, you know, it was on television. Crucially, it was on television before the pandemic, I think, hit. Um, like, like early, early this year. And so, you know, HBO was still releasing things on television that were new um and it was it was all coming out like oh an episode a week it was kind of that perfect model um and it was perfect for this show because you wanted to be in suspense you didn't want to have the ability to just click play on the next episode and have all your questions answered this could have been a really good cover for us uh as far as podcast goes because it was a lot to speculate on it was very interesting in that sort of dark way um and that sort of like what exactly is happening here? I don't quite understand it, but there are always clues as to what could be happening. Big questions. Um, would have been a great cover, I think, and I really enjoyed the show, but I'm, I don't even remember why we didn't cover this. Uh, well, I think I was not, I think I was not really interested in it. And it's also like, we were really burnt. Like this is early in the year. And like, I think the 2019 really rung us, put us through the ringer in that like last quarter. I was kind of like, you know, fuck yeah. doing extra stuff right now. Also, Cecily watched it and she said that it kind of fell apart at the end. I liked and it. I, um, did you? Okay. Yeah, I didn't have a big Maybe problem. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but, um, I mean, it's also a season one, so it's an unknown quantity, right? By the time you realize oh, that wasn't a miniseries. Well, that's, that's what I mean. Like it was, it was a debut, right? It wasn't, um, like a, a continuation of a thing you already knew was good. And we don't tend to take a lot of chances on things that we aren't sure are going to be at least, uh, 
very popular, if not also very good. So, yeah, yeah, we probably wouldn't have covered this season one anyway. Yeah. What do you think about season two? Because I still like uh, Supernatural, Stephen King, murder mystery. Like I Uh, no, it looks like HBO passed on a season two, so not going to happen. There you go. This implies a certain lack of interest from the, the viewing public at large. Um, uh, yeah, especially because uh, Stephen King said the scripts for a second season have been written and the cast and crew uh, are interested in coming back, but HBO didn't really care. Interesting. Um, they're shopping they're going, they're outlets. Also, we'll see. Yeah, they're also going in like different directions, uh, period. I was trying to think of like uh, Outsider. Cause, um, this seems like a perfect opportunity for Netflix to pick up. Because you capture a bunch of HBO's audience, right? Oh, you yeah. liked Outsider season one? Guess what? HBO's not doing it. It's over here on Netflix now. Come right. watch it. The Outsider didn't. It's like, so the first three of these made it on Alan Suppenwall's top 20 of the year. The Outsider is the first one that did not. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's a huge miss. Cause you, like I, I think said, he, it's, well, uh, since you, you were so pat, I think it should go right underneath Queen's Gambit then. Oh yeah. For now, certainly. Um, let's take that up. It's definitely a bigger miss than any of the other, uh, the those two unwatched things that we talked about. Yeah. Um. How about oh boy. the Tiger King? Mm-hmm. Um. So it's funny because like this isn't a huge miss because it's just a single. You know, it's just, it's just it was it's just a one shot or was it? It was multiple episode documentary. Was that what the deal was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was many episodes. And, and this came out early in the year and kind of captured people's is like hit right at the right time when the world was kind of like going skewed anyway. Everyone was kind of locked down. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? You're going to watch Tiger King. Um, we had plans to live watch this with everybody with the Netflix technology. And this was like early in the year when Jim and I like I think it was like the first weekend or two after we had fled our offices downtown. March 20th. Uh, we're now. Yeah now retired like yeah it was like the first weekends of us trying to figure stuff out and we could not get that shit synced up and it was because we had just done like a, a bullshit one for uh, a James Bond movie mm-hmm. Goldeneye yeah we just successfully watched Goldeneye and then we could not get that to work the next week and we never that was like the thing is like oh let's wait until we can and by the time we got this technology working right we kind of got with this watch party technology on the Amazon side and kind of walked away from this stuff. So this still gets massive, the cultural significance. Like I do feel like I am, but on the other hand, I also feel like I'm kind of in on the joke, like that goddamn Carol Danvers. And no, that's not, that's, 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 that's Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel yeah. But uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the memes I kind of understand through osmosis because everyone is kind of obsessed with the show, but pretty big miss. Like I, I put it above the outsider. I'm going to um, take this to the top and we'll, you know, we'll okay, come, we'll okay. come back yeah, to yeah, the top yeah. at some point and debate all these, but to the top. Okay. Um, I may destroy you is I only put it on there because I wanted to see it. I actually am a pretty big fan of Michaela Cole. Some the, you know, she was in that, uh, uh, black earth rising. Oh, okay. Uh, Chewing gum. She's done a lot of really fascinating character work. And I hear this is um, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, one of those dark, weird comedies about interpersonal relationships and 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 odd ways of living that I kind of am a sucker for. 
Um, it's on HBO, so that's one of her core audiences. I it's more of like I feel like a personal miss. I need to go back and watch it than maybe podcast about it. But it was also in like I think it was in the top ten of Alan Supperwall's top twenty. So, but that's all I know about it. It's got a Mandy color palette and it features Michaela <laughs> Cole. Okay, where does it belong? To I the think top it's or just where it's at? I think okay. it's well. I mean, it's in. I think it's inherently. I don't know because the plot against that. Uh, nah, it's fine. It's fine where it is. Fine. Okay. Yep. Uh, the Good Lord Bird. I have not finished that series. I've got like three episodes to go. Um, but this is an inherently interesting story about this, you know, quote unquote radical abolitionist John Brown who led a slave rebellion um, before the Civil War was one of the inciting incidents. His raid on Harper's Ferry was one of the things that really brought tensions to a head that led about the Civil War. And um, when I so I expected kind of an offbeat dark comedy with Ethan Hawke anchoring this kind of insane performance as John Brown. I didn't expect it to be kind of a thoughtful look at where we well-meaning committed white people can fit in the struggle for racial equality, you know, and the answer seems to be usually in supporting positions. Sure. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe not so much, especially just, yeah. especially nowadays. Like you, it's you know you you need to find you need to find communities that are doing good work and and support them rather than trying to kind of go it yourself. And 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 I I thought that was some good. And again, I haven't finished it. This was another one that's on a lot of people's top ten list of the year. It's on Showtime, uh, which always feels kind of mm-hmm. like because we've done a few Showtime things and always feels like it's a third less popular than anything else we do. Probably because that's roughly as third less popular as HBO. You know, pre. It's the yeah, it's the 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 other premium subscription service. So it's more popular than Cinemax, but less popular than HBO. It's right between those two. But it's a really it's a funny it's a hilarious. It's sad. It's got some which is weird fucking dynamics in it, because one of the core dynamics is, uh, you know, John Brown rescuing this uh, this this little black kid. He's like 14 years old and mistakes him for a girl puts him in a dress and they never resolve that confusion and the rest of the series. How is that possible? Uh, as far as I can tell. Cause John Brown, he's kind of, he's not delusional, but he's just single mindedly focused and doesn't go back and question his tenants once they're deeply held, I guess. Yeah. But the kid doesn't speak um, up at the time and say, no, actually, sir, I'm, I'm a boy. I mean, it, I think it's a little bit of a conceit and it does come up when others because, you know, uh, he finds himself in a whorehouse and he's being washed up to be one of the girls. And, you know, turns out he's got some extra non OEM parts um, issued to him and uh, that causes. But yeah, it never seems to at least again, five episodes in, it has that, that information hasn't percolated back to John Brown's brain. Hmm. So but it's yeah, it's it's really entertaining seeing uh, Ethan Hunt just screaming purple face, these crazy Bible verses and demanding the equality of all men. Um, hmm. the, the America to hold up to its original promises. This is another one I think would be really good in Swiss Bowl because like, if you want to cover this, like just really, you know, fuck it. Uh, like, like make a meal out of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this belongs closest to the top. Closest, 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 closest. Okay. I'm taking it to the top. And then we'll come back for it. Send it to the first bullet place, fashionly. Turn it. First bullet place only. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. 
No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. Uh, Tenet, man. Tenet. It's a big mess. Boy. Obviously, right? It's, it's a, a Christopher mess. Nolan movie. It's super hyped. People were waiting for this for months. It's you know, it's a victim. If we of the... had even four weeks notice that they were going to hustle this out on because like, you know, right. Nolan fought this tooth and nail, wanted to be an IMAX, all this kind of stuff. It came out in the theaters like months mm-hmm. ago and people and like, I yeah, wasn't I fucking going like, to a theater. Are you kidding I'm not me? I'm going to fucking go to a megaplex, even with like 15 other people six feet from me. Like, that seems crazy. Yeah. Um, like, I don't need to see. And boy, I tell you what, if I had gone to if I had been bullied to see this in the theater, <laughs> I would have came out wroth. Yeah, because it's to put it mildly, not risk, not worth risking your life to see. Definitely um, not. I wish. And now I'm at the point where like I'm torn, like I saw it once and I thought the effects were really good. And there was a performance that made me a believer in something that is noteworthy to talk about. But I did not like this film. And it's the first Nolan, the first kind of mindfuck Nolan film I've watched. And I didn't immediately want to watch it again. Um, like, I'm like, you know what? I probably need to watch this, it's, maybe even watch it backwards and fuck all that. I don't care. It's the first Nolan movie that I've come away confused in a bad way. Confused as if, yeah. like, I need to watch this again to even understand what I'm supposed to be questioning. Not pondering the answer to the question that I know I should have, but, like, just seriously confused. I don't even know what they're trying to do at the end of this movie. So, like, yeah, I, I think it's a huge miss because everybody was talking about it. It was a huge blockbuster movie right uh the fact that it didn't live up to the hype i don't think is a factor in this category necessarily because people still would have tuned in just to hear you know what we were going to say about it because everybody was going to see this thing and that's the thing it's like um that's the problem i guess i have with covering it is that like I probably should, but if I was going to do it, I should at least watch it one more time, and I really don't want to. So yeah. I can either go with my first informed, ignorant take that's not going to make the people that love the film, because the people that took right. the time to see it three or four times either have Stockholm Syndrome with the film, or they genuinely like it, because I've heard that from several people that I don't know why would lie to me. Yeah, or they're but in on the other hand, like. That just feels that feels like a lot of homework and a lot of chore to do a, a podcast. And on, on the other hand, the people that don't like the movie, like they would feel validated by that. But like mm-hmm. most people that don't like a movie, don't want to listen to a two hour podcast from two dudes explaining why they don't like the movie to them, especially like, months after the fact. Right. Like, yeah, if we could have gotten as a white hot take, like yeah. when it first hit the first run know, movie, like, this would have been huge. It would have been great. Um, whether we understood it or not, because we're coming out of there with just our first impression. And that's, you know what it is as as like a you know a deep dive or a surface skim right now it seems crazy but it was a big miss at the time 
Um, now that brings us to Wonder Woman 84, which wow. is just a bad film. It's From just a bad film. And I'm ready. I'm ready to defend that. Um, here's what I think. And I think it would be a lot of fun to just w- jump off the top belt, the top buckle and like mm-hmm. pile, you know, just drop elbows on this film because it's just a deeply silly, dumb film. Um, that's par- I mean, like. Gal Gadot still is a wonderful Wonder Woman. Um, Pedro Pascal did a really int- like I think that villain had things were was was interesting, but it had like all the problems of like Spider Man three where there shouldn't have been two villains and they shoehorned one in and didn't give it like they didn't give either of them justice. The character hero acted in like profoundly unheroic ways that the show that the movie didn't really examine. Um, the film was ugly to look at in a lot of his special effects. Um, Mm. you know, like there's a couple of things that the wonder woman does very well and but a lot of it. So here's my thing. At some point we are going to do live streams, um, in, in February, especially to build up towards like, you know, we're, we're going to do, we're, we're very close to making partner on Twitch. And we've been doing it on these watch parties and people like them and we got to pump up our stats. HBO through this Netflix viewers or screener. I forget what the, the name of it's Tele-party. called. Teleparty. Teleparty. We can do a community live watch of everything on, on HBO. Um, it yeah. actually might be interesting to do like a February Wednesday stream of these two movies just to like wa- walk through and just kind of like talk about our problems with it in real time. Um, and well, just I, to like make yeah. fun of Wonder Woman, it, it could be certainly. Um, it's probably and those not. would count for actual hours of streaming too, right? Because it wouldn't. But be I, bet it would, I bet it would. I bet it would chop the knees out from our uh, average viewer count. Because how many so? people? How many people are going to sync up a thing on another service and install a browser plugin? In nah, you're probably right. In order to do that, you're probably right. I, I like the Twitch watch party is so convenient that it's bolstering our stats, but. Yeah, this is borderline. People away. I don't know. Okay. Um, it might be something to try because I think it would it would be it would be a little fun. Um, but yeah, I like I said, I I don't think it's ever a, a miss when you're just going to like knowingly shit on something because you know our community is just much more driven on love than hate. That's <laughs> so, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like like you know like it might be unseemly just to 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 just sit there and like you know kick a movie when it's down so to speak because it like pisses off the people that like it unironically <laughs> and it doesn't really edify to people that don't. So I deeply love doing that. Um it is fun. Personally, I enjoy sitting down and watching a bad movie and just going, "Oh god, this is atrocious." It is fun. You know, it to is shit, shit like the room. There's there's a culture that loves to do that. I'm part of it. I don't know what our audience yeah. is though. We do that. I mean, that's what hats. But the thing is, it's like it works best when there's a there's like in some affection. Like I mm-hmm. like doing that with Star Trek, and that's half of yeah. the stuff we do on our Sci-Fi Sundays is kind right. of like poke fun and and laugh with and at Star Trek. But it's always from a place of love. Like I really, I unironically love the show and the characters. Where yeah, you know, some stuff would just be kind <laughs> of vicious. I guess no, I can't say that about Wonder Woman '84. I don't love the the yeah. movie or the characters. I haven't even seen the movie, and I don't plan on ever watching this because people said it's atrocious. So fucking no, nah, it's 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 pretty bad. It's too bad because I really I really liked the first Wonder Woman, and I thought maybe that was a and a I franchise think... that that would be kind of like pure and unsullied by the DC touch. And 
Turns out, nah. Turns out, nah. That's the reason um, why it goes above the rest of these, because we do have a history with Wonder Woman. Uh, people like that first mm. movie. I liked that first movie for the most part. Yeah. Um, I want to put it up there and we can talk about it. I feel like these okay. are pretty much locked out of the top five, right? Uh, only because you haven't seen Plot Against America? Is that what the... Because oh, like Plot Against America, I think, would have... What? Are you kidding me with these? Okay, I'm gonna have to go in here. No, it's, it's you just you, you put it you put it the 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 thing next to that gem is the unordered list. You got an unordered list. No, no I, I want it on an ordered list though, because I eventually oh, you, yeah I want to oh, I want to get a top see. five here a and then lock everything. You else got a out. mixed case. Don't control A it and then click on that, and I think you might get where you're wanting to go. Just all this? No, like control select everything. You're leaving. Yeah, now now do that. Right? Is that what you want? No, I wanted it. I guess we can go through E. That's five, right? Oh, I see. You're wanting just that. Oh, my God. Oh, no. We've we've ruined it all. (laughs) Okay. We take the biggest miss out of the list and then you just order it. Right. So so get the bullet point out of biggest miss and you'll be you'll be good. Right. Because you list. I beat you. I'm better than a list. (laughs) Biggest miss. Almost our inability to use ordered lists. Um, okay. The plot, so why is Plot Against America so low? Because I do think that would have been good bald move slash swizzle discussion. Well, because nobody was watching it, A. It's, it's David Simon. Nobody watches his shit, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, outside of the wire. A, it, it did have a great companion podcast, the official one that went with it. Okay. I, do yeah, think I just don't think are, people would have been but listening. But here's the thing. Yeah, here's the, the the counterpoint is I do think we found success this year doing niche shows that have niche popularity and there's are not well served. There were not a lot of podcasts. Yeah, um, we could have gotten Chernobyl type numbers off this probably easily if we had covered it. And so yeah, I think it should be right. higher. Just be OK. I think it should be. I think it should be higher. My here's about where I'm willing that, to put it right there. OK. All right. Um, I feel like the Queen's Gambit, and really this category is almost all about the top position. I feel like the Queen's Gambit's going to win. I don't know why, but I feel like that's the one that we're probably most in agreement. Like, you know what? I saw that show. It looked like something I want to watch. And people said it's really great. It did good numbers for Netflix. It was consistently in their top one to three position for like many, many weeks. It's just bad timing and us being not prepared for it. Oof. So these are my top audience three. Really liked it currently. Um, not the in Tiger that order. King over Queens. Game? Not oh, in that okay, order okay. necessarily. But these are my top three that I think are genuine, real big misses. That if we could have covered them, we would have gotten a, a lot of traffic, and it would have been fun. Uh, in one way yeah, or another. You're right. With Tenant, it, you're right. Because you know. the plot against America would have zero fun. There'd be zero. There, not that there was no moments of levity in that show between the families, but like really zero fun. It's bad. Uh, it's 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 a, not a good experience. This, this a is cautionary tale. Tough because I haven't seen all of plot against America. I think that would be a a good, interesting cover and good discussions. I think the Outsider. Um, I I would swap. The Good Lord Bird and The Outsider, but that's only because I haven't seen The Good Lord Bird and I really enjoyed The Outsider. See, I just have that supernatural um, shit. It's also yeah, HBO versus Showtime. Yeah, that's um, true. It's a it's a murder mystery as opposed to like a political thing. A slave um, slave revolution. Yeah. 
I would probably put Outsider in slot four. Hmm. Okay, so let's because again, I don't really care about like outside of top three. Well, for what I know for sure, um, I'm trying to trying to see if I want to argue that either the Good Lord Bird or Plot Against America go above Queen's Gambit or Tenet or Tiger King. Oh God, I don't think they do. Yeah, I can't imagine any of anything on this list with the exception of maybe Wonder Woman. I don't know. Making it into the top five that isn't already in there. So here's my here's my take of your top three, because I think I'm kind of in agreement. Maybe a slight okay. quibble. Maybe I want to substitute the good Lord bird for one of these three, not the Queen's Gambit, but maybe Tiger King or Tenet. Really? Like Queen's based on, Gambit, I think based on what? Just like personal interest in the topic? Yeah. Because that's not what I'm basing it on. I'm basing it on. Yeah. And the fact that no, audience, and I've seen I've also audience. I've seen all of the plot against America and almost all of the good Lord bird. So like I've got a lot of personal history, not just anticipation behind them but okay. um yeah so here's my take on the top three the queen's gamut's probably the best fit between our personal interest of the subject uh our interest in the people involved in the subject and our audience's interest in same and the quality and, wide, of and the thing. quality and popularity and accessibility like netflix is everyone's right. got netflix well if you're then we just settled news, it <laughs> because i agree okay. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it wins because the this other, category. Right? I, I think Tiger King is slightly higher in the, like, everyone saw Tiger King but me, I feel like. Like, literally everyone saw Tiger King. It was just like a phenomenon that I think wins the entire year. But I really didn't give a shit about Tiger King. Like, I immediately grasped hmm. what it was, and you're pointing and laughing at this deluded rich person that fucks the tigers and his. His his travails of being an ex, a, a kind of like quasi legal exotic animal guy, and I just like don't care. Like that's like real life always sunny, and I've got always sunny, which is better. So yeah, and Tenet is only interesting because I love Christopher Nolan. I've seen almost mm-hmm. all of his movies, and it's the first one he's ever made that I didn't like at all. Um, and there's a huge audience. Like everybody wanted this film. Um, yeah, like if this was a fir- if we were still doing if if the coronavirus hadn't hit, this would absolutely have been a first run bald movie, and it would probably have been a two and a half hour podcast, and we probably would have revisited it uh, the next week because we'd gotten so much feedback about it, and you know, like I, I mean, it, but the fact that it kind of like l- didn't make it, and then kind of landed like a fat wet turd, and yeah, <laughs> but I think the Queen's Gambit is is the biggest miss. I agree. Uh, I think Queen's Gambit wins and in no particular order as we usually do our top five um, our nominees. I'm good with that list too. Like I would definitely put The Outsider above Good Lord Bird. Like I said, I haven't seen Good Lord Bird. Uh, I wish Tiger King... But if they're no particular order, then yeah, that's good. I wish Tiger King was an Amazon video production because I imagine it'd be a hell of a lot of fun to to watch watch with an audience. For sure. Yeah, automatically synced up. So, All right. Biggest um, miss, Queen's Gambit wins it with uh, Tenet, Tiger so. King, Good Lord Bird, and The Outsider being uh, nominees. And actually, I think I agree with those orders pretty much, especially in, in the like top three and four. Um, then it gets wonky, but who cares? Top three. All yeah, right. I'm certainly on board with. All right, the next category for considerations, best documentary. Some years we have a bunch of these. Some years we don't have many. Some years we don't have any at all. This year we have a few. Uh, the Last Dance. This is a, a document. It's really about Michael Jordan. Um, 
but also about the, the, the you know, kind of like parallel structures of the, 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 the two sets of three peats that the, the bulls did. Cause you kind of like yeah. go through all the history and it's kind of like the growth of Michael Jordan, the growth of the bulls and then the defense of the bulls legacy kind of like is all rolled up in, in the, the narrative. But it, honestly, this is a Michael Jordan documentary. His, you know, sure. And the, the framing device being that final year as they're working, you know, through the playoffs um, to, to actually clinch this second three peat. And I thoroughly enjoyed this because I was a huge basketball and Michael. I mean, I grew up in Indiana. It's almost required to be a fan of basketball. And I grew up idolizing him and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I was even old enough to remember like the previous generation of Dr. J, um, Wilt Chamber. Like I, I had some institutional memory of these guys from like my dad and my uncles and stuff. And this was also I was a big fan of the Pacers and like the Pacers play pretty prominently in some of these playoff victories. Well, losses in our case. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, it's kind of like seeing like there's a mini documentary about Reggie Miller kind of stuffed in here, which. I have an enormous appetite for that kind of stuff. Uh, so I love this. I thought this was relentlessly watchable, fascinating, hilarious, poignant, tells you something about the human spirit. Um, it's a great documentary. So I'm with you. Uh, uh, I kind of feel like it's like going to be hard to beat. mm -hmm. However, chaos on the bridge was a commission podcast. I think it's like a 45 minute, maybe an hour and a half long documentary on the first three seasons of star Trek, the next generation that answered so many questions that I've long wondered about the fuck was going on. In this, in, in the, the, with the trying to get the next generation off the ground. Yeah, why is season one and season two? Why are those seasons so bad? <laughs> They're so why did bad. Season three almost instantly get better, so much uh-huh. better. And uh, this documentary provided a lot of satisfying answers with a lot of like, you know, interviews with the cast and crew and on the writing staff and like executives and just like it all. I felt came to life. I just understood it all. Like, Oh, this asshole butted heads with this asshole and was causing this drama. Like it, it's just, it's a great, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it and it was a great way to start our voyage through the, the, the star Trek, the next generation series we've been doing on over on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, it was a commission and mm-hmm. I don't know that I ever would have found out about it, uh, without the commission. Like I don't go seek these things out, but man, I love them when I see them. So it's free on YouTube, or at least it was when we watched this. So uh-huh. if you want to find it, uh, search for chaos on the bridge as a complete copy on YouTube. Looks legit. Doesn't look like. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, um, am, I, am I remembering correctly? It has some Shatner in it, too. Don't we get a little bit of Sh- Shatner? Shatner is the narrator. And right. I think one of the main producers. So and every once in a while, he, they show him like interviewing someone or something. I like I said, Somewhere there's 30 minutes of Bill Shatner cutting up with Jonathan Frakes and we get to see like 20 glorious seconds of it. Maybe they're fist fighting the rest of it. I don't know. But my God, uh, this like these these kind of two legendary hands going to get it just is really delightful. I want the behind the scenes on this behind the scenes documentary. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If there was a Blu-ray with like four hours of like just raw footage, I would 
buy it. I'd pay I'd pay a hundred dollars for that. Buy two hundred dollars. Feature ad called Chaos on the Set of Chaos on the Bridge. <laughs> uh, chaos uh, Chaos with the Shatner. Yes. Chaos with the Shat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then we've got the holiday movies that made us. Um, I was down in Gatlinburg on my wedding uh, wedding anniversary up in the cabin, uh, a secluded cabin up in the mountains. We knew we were going to do Elf as our big holiday movie. This mm-hmm. thing dropped that day, and I'm like, oh, I like the what's that made us, the toys that made us, the cartoons. They've had several of these nostalgic-looking series. Yeah, it seems like a lot of fun. Um, it was, yeah, I... I I'm glad I watched that because I think it made our podcast better and made me appreciate mm-hmm. this kind of like modern Christmas classic. I went and watched the nightmare on Elm street. And I think that was a much as, as a bigger waste of my time. Um, Oh, and this series, this series has problems. Uh, the yeah. series style. I don't like the yeah, style you, of it all. Um, what the, is the interstitial stuff that they do? The jokes that they try and make the, the writing on this, like the stuff that's actually written is bad. The dialogue, the narration. Yeah, I feel like that if you've got a if you got a company that's interested in just kind of like telling everything and has a positive experience, and it's like fun. It goes OK. But like when you have like a where like there's people fighting over credit and and maybe has some bad blood, they they don't know what to do with that. And they try to t- treat it with the same kind of zany, you know, uh, kazoo shit that they do the rest of the series with. Yeah. And it just it just feels yeah i don't know no but like i it bothered me a little bit with elf but it really almost destroys the nightmare before christmas wow um, i didn't see that one i just saw the elf uh episode yeah. of this so yeah. whereas like elf felt like everyone that loved stuff coming together and doing you know felt like a lord of the rings like nightmare before christmas felt like something that succeeded despite people and maybe the wrong people got credit for it and the people are bad people i don't know yeah it wasn't wow. wasn't as feel good and then McMillions, I saw the first episode. I remember the FBI agent with the colorful attitude and suit and really Hell detesting yeah. him Doug. and decided that like, <laughs> you know what? This is an inherently interesting thing that would have been an amazing 90 minute documentary and they're blowing it out to seven hours. and I don't fucking care. Did I get it wrong, Jim? You're, you're you saw not, the whole thing. You're not totally wrong. I saw the whole thing. Yeah. My wife and I watched it. Uh, I will say I enjoyed Doug throughout the whole thing. Uh, his antics were were fun. It goes right. places like this McMillions um, or this this McDonald's scam, you know, where they're stealing pieces and giving them to relatives. That goes places, uh, places connected to like the, the Jersey mob, uh, and just like it, it, you know, it, it it paints a picture of these people who are just incredibly dumb about the way they're doing things. Uh, And that's the only reason they really ever got caught is because the people they gave these pieces to were just idiots. Um, And they gave them to people to, you know, for a bunch of stupid reasons and they made their trail obvious. Um, You feel by the end of it for some people who got caught up in this thing, not really knowing what they were getting into. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it has kind of an emotional journey for some of these people. And I think like in the end, the right decisions were made around that. The guy who, definitely legitimately didn't know what this was really all about. Um, 
and didn't know how deep how do it you went. Go the rig, how do you go then rig a lottery like this and not know you're rigging a lottery? That's the thing I'm confused. Like, how, how do you get like, Be, just because, sucked up and along for the ride? Because a guy who stole the piece gave it to a guy to sell to another guy who's your cousin who gave it to you and just said, hey, take this in exchange for something. I got this piece. I need I need money or whatever. Do you want to want to buy it? Um, I need money now huh. instead of like, you know, X. Yeah, there's one guy who gets caught up in it that like you really feel for him by the end. And he I don't think it's sentenced to any prison time um, or like time served or okay. something like that. Well, you're so, pretty, pretty. Yeah, I, I definitely felt for the guy. Um, that one guy, the rest of them, fuck them. They knew what they were doing. They knew that something was something was up. And man, the the wife of the guy who was like perpetuating this whole thing or perpetrating this whole uh-huh. uh, scheme, whoo, <laughs> yeah. she's a lot. Uh, <laughs> there's just a cast of colorful characters, some of which you love, some of which you hate. D- Doug is so much fun, and this whole scheme is so interesting, right? It's like this mundane thing. It's this contest that McDonald's puts on, but the stakes are pretty damn high. It's millions of dollars. And we've all seen, like, I remember like when I was, I think one of the interesting things was like watching the commercials of like the because I fucking love the I always played the McDonald's Monopoly game. Mm -hmm. And the like, you know, when they you'd show, you'd see people like sitting at a McDonald's and it would say, this is Mike McFuckface. He won a million dollars. And, you know, a guy coming out of the McDonald's be like, hey, I won a million how many of those dudes were these guys in on it? Like completely like Tons. it kind of blows your mind. I remembered those commercials and their faces and uh-huh. the suspiciously fat guy and all this. Other, and like, well, it's, shit to know that this was like, they were like, it's a particular type of shit eating grin on their faces in retrospect. Um, yeah. yeah. And some of them were resistant to the idea of getting on camera, like didn't want to be on camera at all. Yeah, don't say, yeah. Uh, don't want to be, because, yeah, they knew what they were involved with. Um, there's one dude who I think lives in Florida or something and like. Or maybe maybe all of this took place in Florida. A lot of it takes place in Florida. Um, A lot of it takes place in Florida for sure. But, but there's one dude who is like just telling all like he has the inside track on this. He knows so much about it. And he's just like, yeah, of course, all this was bullshit. Of course, it was rigged. Nobody thought it was real. Everybody knew they were stealing. <laughs> that guy's so entertaining. Uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed this documentary. It was fun. Yeah, it's silly. It's not like the Jinx or something, right? Where they're cracking murder cases uh, and, and pinning the guy to the wall right there on camera. But it was fun. Yeah, my my only real problem with this, I just felt like I was expecting like a tight ninety minute. Like, cause like there's no fucking way. Yeah. And the first episode wasted so much of my time. Mm-hmm that I felt, but I, I also, to be honest, I felt that way about the, I'm having an elaborate series of heart attacks here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I felt that, I felt that way about the Lorena Bobbitt film or the documentary oh, yeah. four part. Like I watched that first. I'm like, this is a fucking joke. I, and I forced myself to watch and I'm like, Oh, and it got so much better, but I don't like a couple of documentaries I've seen recently. has got like the anti hook or maybe they're trying to hook someone. that's not me into watching it and they trick them by getting them stuck on the first uh, it's like oh look at this zany stuff and we're gonna like go deep into these details and you know um mm. I, but so i i, I kind of now that you've spoken so highly of it i kind of want to go and and get a lightweight consequence free kind of political scandal that's not a political scandal yeah i mean uh, if you want thing. some cotton candy documentaries to watch uh that's still like 
I don't know, feel like they have some importance at least a little bit. Um, this mm-hmm. is this is a good one. Okay, here's a here's a hot take. Yeah, these are all in the correct order already, and we don't have to do anything with them. Ooh man, I disagree because the holiday movies that made us is genuinely bad in spots. I think we swapped the holiday movies and McMillions, and we have got ourselves a list. Okay, I won't fight you there because I, I I really really like the Elf one, and I didn't like the Nightmare Before Christmas one. And but, uh, the Elf, and I haven't seen McMillions. The Elf was bad in spots. Like every time the narrator comes on, the Elf documentary gets bad until they get yeah, right back I, to the story and the interviews and the. Cecily uh, so said the same thing, so it must be right. But I guess I my affection for material over one because I I saw all the problems with the Nightmare Before Element Street approach and. Mm-hmm. Recognize that they're probably structural weaknesses, but uh, all right. So all right. we got the done and done last dance. Easy, easy. And our top easy. four is already set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll probably just do a top three here. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to do a top anything when it includes everything. That's true. That's true. Next category. Uh, do what? Are we going to like do any? We're going to stop it. No. Or roll right Keep in. Rolling. Okay. Biggest surprise. Run these down for us, Jim. No particular order. The third day, 24 hour live stream. Uh, the walking- HBO Jude Law kind of uh, weird cult island production. Do you want me to like describe these or do you just want me to read them? Yeah, I think I, yeah, okay. I think you say, say something about them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, right. This is a 24 hour live stream they did during lockdown. They had to, you know, call audibles. We'll talk all about it. Um, starring Jude Law. The Walking Dead season nine, which is post airing coverage of ours. It's like back catalog stuff. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If we had a return to form category, there might be a spot for it in that. Who knows? Uh, Harley Quinn. I don't know anything about this. Animated series about Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn kind of had a, a quinnaissance this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Uh, I don't even Birds know what the prey, fuck they call it. The name Birds of Prey, the emancipate, the fabulous emancipate, emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Like I ended up just calling it Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. Um, that actually was a really good DC movie. Um, it was surprisingly entertaining. That could have probably been in the biggest surprise too. But Harley Quinn is the animated version of this. It's subversive. It's funny. It's incredibly violent. It's got just like a great sense of dark humor and. Um, it lets like the, you know, Harley Quinn and, and her compatriot in crime, uh, poison Ivy, like be legit badasses in, in, in Gotham and Batman's in there and he's cool too. Like it doesn't really, you know, it, it, it doesn't work at the expense of Batman or the Joker. It's just lets Harley Quinn be her own character. And it's really, really, I cannot, re- if you like comic book shit at all, give Harley Quinn a try. If you like subversive animation at all give Harley Quinn a try. It's on HBO. It's fantastic. I am on pins and needles for season three to come out. So Ted Lasso, I don't know anything. Ted about Ted Lasso. Lasso people on bald moves forum bullied me, mm-hmm. bullied me into watching this, this, this Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis. I'm kind of an Jason Sudeikis. Anyway, Apple TV. I'm kind of an Apple TV. Uh, it's a comedy and it's a very kind of like cloying and sentimental comedy, which I'm kind of like eh, on that stuff. And I'm like, I can't believe you people are making me watch this fucking show. And I got three episodes in and I was going to stop, but there's this one hot 
older lady that's just ridiculous like just really pushes all my buttons and i'm like you know what i'll keep i'll keep i'll keep watch another episode and episode four the clouds parted the sunshine and i instantly got what was great about ted lasso and i had to eat all the crow uh hmm. but it was like it it's it is heartwarming and it is kind of cloying but it's also I don't know. It's like I, I'm really starting to get a soft spot for comedies that show kind of damaged, problematic people that are like instead of just like oh, I'm fucked and that's just how I am and fu-, like figuring things out and like learning like positive social skills and coping mechanisms and doing it in real time and showing how it's not like a light switch process. And Ted Lasso does all that very well uh, and also really funny in places, too. So, yeah. The, there's a double surprise fuck ted lasso and then oh god i actually like ted lasso <laughs> uh the great season one i haven't seen this either. okay you what do you think about this the great do you know anything I assume, about this i assume it's like the crown i assume it's exactly like the crown because i know nothing about it because Catherine the great predates the crown by like a century or so but like yeah this is kind of like um, but this that is century a- not much changed let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is Catherine the Great um from and, and we join her tale the moment she gets married to Peter the the 3rd in Russia who's played by Nicholas Holt which you might know as Young Beast from the newer installments of the X-Men franchise. Okay. And it's like this fun period piece and it's just a lot of fun and it's packed with a lot of like accurate history and they just kind of like you know Romeo plus Juliet it um with like some modern sensibilities and aesthetics and but also Catherine the Great was kind of like a big reformer and you know progressive for her time and going against this kind of backwards ultra religious orthodox Christianity Russian empire and trying to make it like a little bit more peasant friendly. She had a lot of bumps and uh, Cecily uh, made a, I think five minute super cut of every time someone says the words huzzah and throws a drink against the wall or ground. And uh, watch that. If it tickles you, check out the series. It's really good. It's on Hulu. Another one. I'm really looking forward to season two on. And finally, rounding out the category, Robert Pattinson himself, the actor, uh, is is potentially the biggest surprise here for The Lighthouse and Tenet. Both of those performances. Yeah. Talk about that. Why? Why is he in a big? Why is he a Dude. surprise? Well, it, okay. Everybody knows who Rob, Robert Pattinson is, and if you don't recognize the name, you probably recognize the character. He's the lead vampire in uh, Twilight movies. Sparkle you know Boy, him. Yeah, you've seen him. I assumed that that was all Robert Pattinson was. Uh, and I've seen all the Twilight movies because I watched them as riff tracks with you. A lot of, a lot of them. Uh, and I didn't think much of his performance because it's not great. It's very, mm. very wooden, very, it's a nothing of a performance. Uh, and then here he comes along. It's been what a decade at least two decades since twilight came out i don't even know i think a decade i think a decade's about right probably so um and i i just I'm hadn't even thought about robert pattinson in that decade mm-hmm. right because who would? i know Why i'm, I'm I? aware that he's done stuff and i started 
I started becoming aware that he's done some indie stuff that people are like, oh, you know, Robert Pattinson. He had that water for elephants or whatever the fuck it was. And, yeah, oh, you know. but you're not going to erase my memory of Twilight with right. a single movie, right? Or get me to see a Robert Pattinson film called Water for Elephants. You know, like, no, <laughs> sure, uh, uh, sure. I don't care how indie it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Go rehabilitate your career somewhere other, some other place. Right. Or, or, or rehabilitate your career and then we'll talk. You know, mm-hmm. then we can negotiate about Robert Pattinson. So the rehabilitation has happened over the last 10 years or it started to me. The demarcation here between Robert Pattinson and Twilight and Robert Pattinson, the actor is the lighthouse. I saw the lighthouse early this year um, and it it frankly blew me away. And not just because Willem Dafoe is a beast of an actor, which he is. But Robert Pattinson holds his own on screen. Stands toe to toe, yeah. With one of the, you know, most intense, craziest actors on the planet. Um, gives a performance that is remarkable in, in a movie that's remarkable. Like, The Lighthouse is an amazing film, and Robert Pattinson is amazing in it. And there are lines like, I'm sick of your goddamn thoughts. <laughs> Yeah. delivered in the most Boston of Rob accents and it still doesn't matter. It's an amazing performance. It's like, it's yeah. something else, man. No, it's wild. I mean, he, he's, he's out in the pump house pumping it at one point. Yeah. Uh, during this film, drinking pump monkey pump and pumping his, his crank, pumping his <laughs> monkey pump. It's yeah. all kinds of cranking and pumping and mermaid it's porn. Incredible, man. Uh, and Robert Pattinson is now an actor to be watched in my mind. Yes. Yes. Like he's single hand. Like I remember he got cast before. I think we knew, like we saw the lighthouse and tenant and, um, he got cast as Batman. I know that's a, that's a kind of a famously tough role to play the two, the twin roles, the, the grim ultra serious Batman swinging hammers of justice and also be the carefree billionaire playboy. Um, you know, like it's, it's like, there's, there's a real duality there and some characters really do well. Some characters don't. Um, and a lot of people are like, ah, how's this guy going to like, you know, he's not serious enough to be Batman and he's too, you know, this to be Bruce, like tenant, like the lighthouse shows that he's a serious actor. Tenet shows that he can, sl- he can sleepwalk his way through Batman and Bruce Wayne. Oh yeah. Because he essentially is playing a version of Bruce Wayne and kind of Batman. Like there's a couple of like, if he had, if he had horns on his helmet, in a tactical helmet, he would be fucking Batman in some of these, some of these scenes in Tenet. So I have, I mean, I don't know if the new Batman's going to be good because DC kind of right. doesn't know what the hell they're doing and Warner brothers either. Um, I mean, this, this, this studio is giving another hundred million dollars to Zack Snyder to make a four hour version of the justice league. Like what the fuck? But it's yeah. not going to be him. If it, if it sucked, it's not going to be because of, because of him. And so. I crucially, we just watched and podcasted. It's not out yet. It will be by the time this is, though, uh, Tombstone, which is starring another oh, Batman right. actor who I thought was the shittiest Batman uh, ever, potentially. George Clooney and him are kind of in the running. Yeah. But it obviously comes down to the directing, right? Like, what kind of performance are you getting out of him? Because he's amazing as Doc Hollywood uh, in in Tombstone. Robert Pattinson is amazing in The Lighthouse. I know he can pull this off. Just will they give him the material that he needs and will he yeah. have the direction that he needs? Yeah. Will the script come through? Will the director get at what he needs out of him? Because he's got it to give if you can get it out of him. So, um, okay. That's a good rundown. 
what? Where do we put? Um, like I, okay. The third hour, the, 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 currently the third day, 12, 24 hour live stream is at the top. I think the walking dead is a bigger surprise because I really anticipated going back to walking dead season nine and just, you know, treating it like a whoopee cushion. You know, you're going to do the same thing. Hey, you're going to blow it up. You're going to sit on it and make a fart noise. Hey, people laugh and we're just going to, you know, it's something we get through. Yeah. I found a lot of material, especially once you got out of the first few episodes and you got firmly out of the, uh, the Gimple era and into the, uh, the, 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 uh, 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 Angela, well, who, uh, God damn it. Who's Kang. the showrunner? Yeah. Kang. You got to the Kang era. I found it very good and resonant. Like a lot of them dealing with that kind of this shithole world resonated with a lot of us dealing with the 2020 shithole world. And uh, I don't know, like getting rid of Andrew Lincoln kind of left room in the, the other parts of the cast that have been like underserved for many years to shine. They did a lot of really good work with Carol and Daryl. Uh, and she had a yeah. tough road though because uh, Gimple had left that series in just an abysmal state. Um, oh yeah. Nothing, nothing in the cupboards. Cupboards bare. Yeah. And so she had to, you know, forage for food to, to rebuild season nine. Um, and she did it. It was a little rough road uh, in the first couple of episodes, right? Correcting all the mistakes and then plotting a new trajectory. But I think, uh, yeah, what she's bringing to that show is far better than it's been in recent seasons and close to the best it's ever been. Uh, which which is, you know, not saying a ton. I think season one is still maybe the best season of that show. Uh, mm-hmm. Season two also good, but like season nine's Big up there problems. at this point, like, yeah. you know, not bad. Uh, so yeah, Shocking. big surprise Shocking. considering where we left it and what it came, what we came back to. And boy, that's that's one of the great what ifs. If like, what a comeback story! If we'd have stuck with that one more season and gotten halfway <laughs> through it and been like, is are we crazy? Is this good? Like, mm-hmm. my god, that would have been a real like emotional through line to take. But you know, we took it. And the the other thing is, I guess, is there any? Is there any possibility that we wouldn't have been along for the ride if we'd got on there out of obligation without any break and like, yeah, because I don't know. I want to say in a vacuum that, yeah, like it might have happened a couple episodes later, but like somewhere in the transition between season nine B A and B, we would have been like, this is kind of fucking good. These villains are neat. These setups no longer require you to shut off your brain in many cases. And also you're kind of afraid for the main characters again mm-hmm. uh, because they do a lot of like kind of shocking. And, you know, I'd gotten, I didn't have any knowledge about the, this is where I stopped reading the walking dead. So like all that stuff was like, really, it didn't bother me. They didn't do it right. Like the comics or they did a worse version of the comics. Like I was just really sucked into it. So I'm unironically looking forward to continuing our coverage of season 10. Yeah. Hopefully we'll catch up in time to get 11, the final season as it comes because yeah it's it's i'm 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 digging it digging it uh Uh, so i i don't know you're gonna have to take these these three here because i i haven't seen any of that that stuff so so, like do you want to say because robert pattison being good and badass is pretty much a shocker like you want to move it to the yeah uh okay yeah if you want to do it like that um okay so uh harley quinn r-rated comedy animation 
huh. is not a huge surprise. Like it's like it's uh, this is not the best of these. This is the most surprising. So like I gotta say, it's pretty low on the surprise that the great you know Dakota Fanning sister with Nick Holt doing like a period piece, kind of like you know like Hulu's. This is in Hulu's lane. Like this is very harlotty. Um, so it didn't surprise me. Ted Lasso being like taking me four episodes to realize it's kind of amazing. I don't, I don't, I, I kind of want to be like, fuck you show for making me watch 90 or 110 minutes of relatively pedestrian comedy. But also they kind of had to do a lot of setup and a lot of the things I bitched about were later resolved, you know, like the, the central thesis of this, like, you know, that some, British football owner would bring an American football coach because she's a little woman and doesn't understand football, like was kind of borderline offensive and dumb and drove a lot of the initial action. But then you find out like, this is a mild spoiler, but if you're, you know, not on the Ted Lasso wagon, then fuck you. I'm trying to get you in on it. It is resolved. It's revealed that she's doing this to destroy her ex-husband's football club because she hates him. And she wants to destroy something that he loved. Mm-hmm. And she's doing all of this stuff that seems to be just her being ridiculously short-sighted and stupid out of spite and malice. Um, and how is a sunny character like Ted Lasso going to salvage the situation? That's where it gets good. And you don't find that out until literally like the climax of the third episode. So gotcha. just know that all the stupid stereotypical fish out of water comedy stuff that doesn't really work is set up for the stuff that does, but you know, you got to watch a hundred minutes of stuff that is, I don't think great to get there. So, uh, yeah, as far as big surprise, it doesn't sound like it, it, I don't know. Big surprise kind of to me implies that it has a reputation or a history that it needs to live up to. Whereas Ted Lasso is a brand new thing. Um, as is a the brand great new network. Yeah. Um, so neither of these can really rise above where they are in my opinion because harley quinn does have the history right like it's got dc behind it and that's good and bad right because dc has a history of great animation dc also has a history of bullshit recently warner brothers animation like you you go back to the batman animated series you go back to batman beyond you go back to adventures of batman and superman justice league very well regarded and it's it's kind of like shocking that they have these guys that have got this multiverse worth of shit that's universally beloved and no one's thought to just like flip them the keys you know mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh if they if they kept the the the, the double d's you know uh Filoni and uh the uh, farve the double f's oh yeah yeah okay uh, the double F's. If, if they, if they, if they kept them on this, you know, I, I like what you did at the Clone Wars, and you did a okay baby Yoda. You're you're more of a baby Yoda guy and <laughs> of, a, of a cartoon guy. Like you don't really yeah. get adult Star Wars. Like it'd be kind of like that because they've got this formula, and they're just not using it. So yeah, and they have another formula, it is a, it is which is not working. And they need to swap them yeah. out because um, yeah, apparently. Okay. Um. Well, then you got to talk about the third day live stream because you've talked about it and I still don't quite get it. Like, I really thought the third day was great, but I kind of expected it to be with that pedigree yeah, yeah. and Jude Law and doing weird shit and, you know, uh, a little bit of a Wicker Man shit that that looked inherently fascinating. Haven't watched the the the, the companion series, the the other 
Yeah, uh, so this this show was split into two halves by this 24-hour live stream. So you had three episodes. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you had three episodes with Jude Law where he was on the island doing his thing. Then you had the 24-hour live stream aired after those aired. And then you had three more episodes aired without Jude Law, which I have not watched yet because Jude Law is not in them. And he's probably the number one reason why I watched the show in the first place. Um, not to mention, you know, it has these Wicker Man themes, which I feel like I got all I needed to get of the Wicker Man stuff from the first three episodes and the live stream. The live stream is surprising to me because it's a 24 hour event, uninterrupted, un cut as best I can tell I'm not sure they had any cuts whatsoever um, it's, it just it didn't sound like a thing you could really do on television you know uh, and yet they were going to do it and initially the, the other thing that's so crazy about it is they had to call an audible on this huge like 24 hour live stream event takes no small amount of planning and they had to call an audible on this thing month a uh, month right. before they were going to air it because the covid shut down yeah. their plans like the, the idea mm-hmm. of this 24 hour live stream was going to be that they were going to have a huge festival on this island where this really happens in real life they have a big festival every year tens of thousands of people come to this island and they all party down well, guess what you're not doing during a pandemic, bringing tens of thousands of people to an to island where they down. party down. <laughs> yeah. And so unless it's it, in New know, Zealand and they didn't come from someplace else, they're actually on the correct. island and party down that way. Sure. <laughs> and they can party down all they want. They earned it. Um, but, you know, to call an audible on this big event that they had planned and then still pull it off, in my opinion, as successfully as they did was a huge surprise because I was enthralled with this thing um i've never seen a 24 hour televised too. event it wasn't wait it wasn't 20 i thought it was like eight hours it was really 24 24 full you, hours you watch 24 hours of this shit yeah i background watched most of it but Damn. but here let me like paint kind of a picture of what a 24 hour live event looks like um they spend i've been involved the three <laughs> well yeah if you're trying to produce a thing and make it like uh, yeah uh, we've got one coming up on the Actually, actually, we just had one probably when this comes yeah, out. Yeah, by the time you hear this. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, fourth annual. So they spend maybe 15 minutes getting ac- across the causeway that is the land bridge between, uh, right. you know, the temporary land bridge that the tide Low erases. Tide, you can drive over high tide. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they just they take you very slowly. I would say the camera never moves at more than like two miles an hour. Um to get to where it's going it's a very slow paced thing um where they take you across the bridge and into town down this road um they they take you through all the prep for this festival um that they were going to have and it involves just like sitting in a field for an hour and a half a literal hour and a half of of screen time watching people stuffing fake bodies full of straw there's an hour and a half of that. There's another. There's hour, no dialogue. No dialogue. Just, just like, and the soundtrack throughout 
um, is just kind of like this droning sort of ominous feeling music. Oh, it does have a drum. Uh, uh, I thought it would just be like atmospheric, like bugs buzzing and frogs singing and birds calling. Occasionally it is, but most of it is scored. It's, it's, like it's kind of Re- crazy. Reznor shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but very, very lightly scored uh, stuff that really works for me. And then they have another hour and a half chunk where Jude Law is being taken through the rites of passage on this island to become the king of the island. Uh, and he has to do all these trials. It's sort of a Jesus-esque, like this whole thing is based around like a Jesus-esque mythos of, of this king. And he, he goes through the trials. They force him to dig a hole in the ground, which is essentially like going to be a grave. Um, and he does it. Jude Law really does it. And you've got to think about like how you, you got to put yourself in his position and they give you time to do that because it's like an hour and a half shot. Never cuts away. Jude Law digging a hole for an hour and a half in thick, heavy clay while it's raining. It's hard work. Dude, by the end of of that scene alone, Jude Law has to be exhausted because he's dug a six foot hole over the course of an hour and a half in heavy soil. No, no, he's got a long God, right? He's not. You got to think he's not a construction worker, right? He's an actor. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, you're going to rub the skin off your hands. Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And they they gave him this long ass uh, sweater that he's wearing and he's like putting the sleeves down over his hands. You can see how painful it is. And he's looking at his hands the whole time. And you got to think this guy is not acting at this point. This guy is just living this scenario. Uh, And that's just like the first trial. Then they they lash a a boat to him on dry land and have him drag it from the town center to the coast. Uh, and that takes a long ass time. And you can tell at some it's interesting to see like where, where the safeties are in this whole process. Right. Because yeah, he like, <laughs> he goes to take the first uh, pull of this boat to try and move it. And it doesn't really move. And he goes, he looks back at it and you can tell he's like kind of nervous. And this is like the man and the actor. And I'm not sure where the, the two meet. Mm. Um, and he starts pulling it, but it's very slow and very hard. And he's got it over his shoulder and it's, you know, he's dug a hole. Now he's holding a rope with the same hands that just dug that hour and a half hole. Uh, and he's got to drag it all the way to the coast. The people are helping him at times because at one point he turns back to the guys that are behind him and you can tell there's like some communication, like he nods at them or something. And then they start helping him a little more because he's not going to make it to the coast. Gotcha. Uh, and so once he gets to the coast, they put the boat in the water and they use that boat to take him out to a pole where he stands for a good long hour plus in what you have to imagine is very, very cold, windy shores. Right. And he's soaked to the bone uh, because it's been drizzling the entire day. And he's just standing out there for over an hour. And you don't think there's any place where they cut and like, just like it's a dummy and you can't tell, like you think the actor Jude law actually stood out there in the, in the water for an hour and a half. I believe so. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I I did see, I did see in that scene, there is one cut because the guy who's standing next to him live, right? Like they couldn't do any. Okay. 
Um, so, and I can't tell because like it's on an island, so they probably have a spotty connection. So occasionally, like there was a moment where the the it would seem to cut, but it you could tell it was like they just lost signal for a second, or maybe they didn't. Maybe it was like an actual maybe they cut. They faked a, it, huh? Huh? But the whole thing had a feel of like this is actually live. Um, and I watched it after the fact, so I didn't watch the live stream. Uh, but I don't know. It was kind of just amazing to see this 24 hour live streamed event, both how they pulled it off and also the links they went to with the actors. Cause how long, how long did you watch this over like a three day weekend or something like, what? yeah, yeah. I just had it on the background while I was doing other stuff. Gotcha. Um, except for those moments where like he was digging a hole. I sat there for like yeah. 45 minutes watching Jude law, dig a hole invested. on some Island. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. I just never seen anything like it. And, and it didn't sound like a thing that I would really enjoy, but here I was watching 45 hours of a man dig a hole or 45 minutes of a man dig a hole. So it was a big surprise for me. Um, I don't know where it belongs on this list. It certainly wasn't as big a surprise as Robert Pattinson. How about the walking dead? No, as a matter of fact, I like- think we need to talk about the top two because yeah. that's where the real contest is here. Yep. I agree, and I had already been making the case for Robert Pattinson as Batman like early this year before I'd seen the Lighthouse and Tenet, just based on like, hey, you know what? I've I've actually seen him in interviews, and he seems like he's cool and fully aware that he was just cashing a check for Twilight. That base material is god awful. Like, there's no way to like make it cool or good. Um. And I was aware that he also was getting this growing indie career where I'd read multiple reviews. I hadn't seen any of his work, but I heard people from, you know, like Matt Zoller, Sice or Matt Sice Zoller, whatever. Um, like you know, people that I respected saying, wow, this guy's actually, you know, showing that he's got some some real some real skills, some real chops. Um, so it didn't come out of nowhere. But having said that, like that lighthouse performance, again, opposite Chris, the fact that that worked at all. Yeah. Uh, you know. I, it's yeah, it's as opposite Willem Dafoe at cranked up to eleven right on the Dafoe meter uh, <laughs> is is pretty pretty amazing. And then Tenet, like I said, I I actually thought he was more compelling than Denzel's kid. Mm. You know, like he, of course, he didn't have as much to do, and so so maybe I was able to like free the you know paint on other things to him. But like, man, that. That just showed me that he had the action. The he could he could he could convincingly do like really high budget slick looking action, which is ninety percent of a superhero movie anyway. So right, right. Having said that, I was again shocked at how good The Walking Dead was and how much each each time I was looking for. I wasn't like putting it off to the last minute. I was watching. I started because like in the the last few years of Walking Dead, I would give that show maybe a watch and then put it on the background and I was doing. Uh, because I usually, we, well, we did the live show, we did the live stream where we made jokes about it. And then I'd give it one serious watch while I was also taking notes, but like this, I would give it a fan watch, you know, like every, like, it's like, I just watch it just, just to watch it. And then I would do it a, a careful note taking watch. And I was really looking forward to it. Did not see that coming. I think it's probably a bigger surprise than Robert Pattinson. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I'm not as invested. I don't have the history with Twilight that I have with The Walking Dead. Uh, if I had been a Twilight hater from day one, I, it might be more surprising that Robert Pattinson could do 
something really good. But you know our history with The Walking Dead. If you're a fan of Bald Move, like we were on that show since nearly day one. Um, it's been years. We actually were. Years. We just didn't release the podcast we did because we didn't like them. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, you know, the vast majority of Bald Move's lifespan has been uh, saddled with a shitty Walking Dead that we had fun covering and slamming on uh, up until we didn't. It, it has to be the biggest surprise to, to, to see this return to any kind of form to me is shocking because it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like AMC has any, any care in the world for putting people who actually want to do a good job on this show. Time and time again, they have undercut the show. They've put people in place who, if they care about the show, they don't have the skills to back it up. Now it seems like we have someone who cares about the show and has some serious skill I never thought I'd see the day the walking dead would become good again. I thought it was done. And here we are. So, and starting to really reveal Scott Gimple as being a villain because simultaneously as he ran the walking dead into the ground, fear the walking dead. It's starting to get a, a, a following and people were like, actually season three, the fear the walking dead is even better than the main series now. And it's like firing on all cylinders. Scott Gimple got tossed off of this and thrown onto the set of Fear the Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead instantly went into the toilet and yeah. the Walking Dead got good. And uh, again, this has great synergy with put this him in uh, chaos on the bridge. Because it's immediately obvious what they did, which is they just went into uh, like, you know what? We don't need to come up with some horse shit zombie of the week scenario, though there were those from week to week. What we really need to do is take advantage of the shared history of these characters. Like, yeah. have have Daryl and Carol talk about shit and have, you know, Carol see a little bit of herself and some abused girl. Uh, finally take serious the, 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 the fuck. I can't think of the word. Um, take serious the idea of the show in the first place, which is that the humans are the focus here. The zombies are the backdrop. And then building the new world and trying to come up with this constitution and what that looks like. And, you know, like uh, they did a little bit of like what I guess would be called morgalizing, but it actually worked better because like, okay, Michonne absolutely would act this way with the pressures that she was under. And they had a little mystery with scars we kind of made fun of, but actually that that played off in like a really cool way, mm-hmm. very satisfying way. Um you know, one of the hardest things to do is not have a child actor be fucking annoying. They they never really were able to pull that with a, with Chandler Riggs until he essentially turned into a man and then they fired him. But like right. little little ass kicker, Judith uh, was very I thought uh, a really well developed character and had a lot of good chemistry with Negan. The fact that they were able to do something interesting with Negan's character, yeah, uh, yeah, all like. Very, very like, and they they did some of the like. There's also like they did some really cool stuff with drone shots and location shots and like foggy moors of Georgia kind of shots that really felt atmospheric and creepy for the first time in forever. And zombie effects where they've always been next level. And yeah, amazing. that's where they've always put the money is into the yeah. effects. Um, so they 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 kept they kept strong. All the things have always been strong and fixed a lot of the weaknesses and. It's this it's, it's Star Trek uh, Next Generation Season 3 leaning to the characters. Why are the characters doing this? Who is the character both, you know, this situation? How and then, uh, you know, which characters react to it? Spotlight the ones that have the bit. 
Man, it's just it's just good. It's and yeah. It's also a surprise because like simultaneously while they're making the best choice they've ever made with Walking Dead by putting uh Angela Kang in charge of the series, they've also made the worst choice they've ever made with The Walking Dead by promoting promoting Scott Gimple to running the whole yeah. damn shebang. Like he's in charge of right. the Walking Dead properties now. Um which is absolutely insane when you look at the pattern of of the audience it has been consistently falling off since scott gimple took over season after Mm -hmm. season the audience has eroded down to a barely passable show at this point um Mm -hmm. it's it's wild that you would take that guy and make such a bad decision as to put him in charge of everything while simultaneously putting angela kang uh in charge of the walking dead and making it good again so i'd I don't know. This is a huge surprise to me. Um, I, I think the only the only potential argument here, which I don't I don't know that we even want to have, is a third day live stream versus Harley Quinn to round out a top three. I would say that the Harley Quinn has as much less surprising than a twenty four hour live stream that they had to do an audible on because of a pandemic has had that had uh fucking jude law digging ditches for 90 minutes and you stayed invested like i i that okay. that's an easy call for it being number three cool and this has a history of good animation stuff so it's not a huge yeah. I, I, i'd fl- i'd put ted lasso at the bottom no maybe okay. maybe okay i actually put harley quinn at the bottom because it's the least surprising thing followed by the great follow okay yeah that's that's i fully endorse this this order Okay. And of course, Walking Dead Season 9 is our winner. Cool. Yes, sir. I got one more category for you. Uh, high risk, high reward. All right. Um, you want me to break this, break this one down? Break it, break it down. Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, so high risk, high reward is an example. This is like a perfect example. Everyone had fond feelings of Bill and Ted. Sure. Certainly like the Bill first and movie. Ted. Keanu Reeves, like every, you know, his, his star seems like it burns brighter every year. A genuinely good guy. Yeah. Uh, good, good story. Uh, fun, you know, lots of nostalgic memories, but nobody's out there clamoring for more Bill and Ted. Nobody's out there being like, I wonder what Bill and Ted are doing in the 2020s. I wonder how their family looks. Did they ever form wild stallion and save the world? Uh, this movie dared to dream. This movie dared to dream that these idiots that kind of love each other and and that's about it um, could unlock um, the global peace and harmony. And they don't quite stick to concept or the landing, but it's a lot of fun. And their daughters like really um, put put a put a lot of like fearlessness and heart into their performances of of these people's offspring. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just kind of worked, man. Uh, it just it just kind of worked. There were some things that didn't, but ninety percent of it worked, and that's m- way more than I th- thought it had any right to be. Yeah, absolutely. I came away from Bill and Ted Face the Music with really good feelings, uh, good vibes, it, unity, and and just you know, peace on earth kind of stuff, and and rocking on that kind of thing. Like very good vibes coming out of that movie, and it was funny. Uh, I I didn't know if Bill and Ted as characters would even work now because they're so dumb, and that was very much like a '90s, '80s, '90s skater, California culture surfer stuff. But like, man, I don't know. They pulled it off. I didn't know if Alex Winters could 
could even get back on screen because I haven't seen yeah. anything from him since then. But like, yeah, he showed up. He did it. He did it well. Um, it's it, it, it and it took everything like the appropriate level of seriousness. Yeah, you know, and it had a lot of callbacks and like you know the first fifteen minutes of the movie just like legit put a big smile on my face. All the callbacks to you know uh, uh, Bill's hot mom, stepmom, and you know, the, uh, uh, Ted's strained relationship with his dad. And, uh, like I said, and, and seeing their, them trying to cheat by going, you know, like, Oh, why do we, why do we, should we sit there and try to write the greatest song ever? when just go into the future and steal the greatest song ever from us. When we obviously eventually write it such a fun concept. Uh, and that's the thing about yeah. like the bill and Ted movies, you know, they're really fucking dumb characters, but the writing in it, is actually pretty smart. Like you, yeah, you look at the time travel stuff they were doing in excellent adventure and it's good. It it actually holds Mm -hmm. together. They did the same thing here, right? Like, Oh, we go into the future and steal it. Oh, but the future versions of ourselves have already had this idea and Oh shit. We never wrote the song. How can we steal a song that doesn't exist? All that stuff is cool. uh, And it works. I like Kristen Shaw, who, who is in this plays a not Mm -hmm. insignificant character. Yeah. I like it. It's pretty good. Um, the the Star Wars CU movie cinematic television cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is I, I I'm going to call premature on this category yeah. because it's 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 the high risk like simultaneously debuting this interlocking uh, 10, 10 different properties structure of of television shows that all interlock self reference reference and self promote. Like, you know, you you watch Mandalorian this season and you can see where they launched five different series off of it. You know, uh, the ones we already know, yep. ah, ah, Ahsoka and you got uh, Cara, uh, Cara Dune, Republic Commando. You got Boba, you know, the book of Boba. Uh, we, we see where these things are, are, are going to spin off. And it didn't like torpedo it but also the mandalorian's really lightweight and breezy like i never like some people got angry at me about for this but i never really took it seriously i never really expected it to dot its i's and cross its t's just remember that hey you know you're star wars and we want to see a certain amount of things and have a little bit of heart and that's all you need that's all you need in a star wars film Mm -hmm. um but this is a huge risk that are there enough people that are going to spend an hour plus like you got all of America to show up for eight hours of your shit in a calendar year on the Marvel Cinematic Universe over 10, 12 years of carefully constructed stuff. Can you get Americans to give you 100 hours a year? And if, if some Americans are only willing to give you 30, are those going to feel left out of the other stuff? Is it going to make their shows weaker that they're not keeping up with all the other stuff? And that's 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 tough like i've never seen anything attempted like this before like the closest thing i can think of is like traditional comic books but even then you'd have a summer crossover event and maybe a special limited crossover event for like all the mutants to get together for a four or five book arc and that was always pushing the limit like this is just this is the marvel cinematic universe on steroids and also they're going to do the marvel cinematic universe version of it uh, simultaneously right yeah, this is Disney's I, I, bid to own everything entertainment. Um, yeah, and and we don't know if it's going to work or not. I'm I've I I can see a lot of reasons why it would, and I can see a lot of reasons why it wouldn't. We don't know if it's going to work. I will say the the way that they launched it is probably one of the best launches 
I've seen uh, for for something this ambitious. Like the way that the Mandalorian captured the imaginations of everyone and Baby Yoda, right? Uh, season mm-hmm. one, everybody was talking about it. Season two, it came back stronger than ever. Um, they, like you said, set up so many of these things that they could do spinoffs with. But the way they end season two, and I won't go too deep into it. It is fan service to the nth degree. It is. It's incredible. It it took me from thinking like, okay, this show is a a little bit of fun um, and it has some some good moments to thinking, wow, they just they just capped this off in a way that. I am super impressed with and I didn't think they had in them. Uh, So the launch of this thing is like the highest reward part of it for me, because I think people based on the strength of the Mandalorian's ending will tune in to a lot of this stuff. And it's up to those shows to lose that audience as opposed to like trying to build something from nothing in these new shows. Yeah. And Disney's always been a little protective in classes when it comes to television versus movies. Like even when they were doing good stuff on Netflix, like I really enjoyed Daredevil. I really enjoyed yeah. the Punisher. I mostly enjoyed Jessica Jones. And then we won't talk about the, the fist iron fist. Yeah. But um, even when I was watching those shows, I was with the knowledge that like Spider-Man's not going to show up like Tony right. Stark's not, not even like you're not even going to get like uh, Robert Downey Jr. to walk in on a suit like and, and, and forget the CGI. You're just not like the, these are these are the lower tier. You know, you don't have the, the Avengers. These are the, the defenders, you know, uh-huh. Um. Whereas the Mandalorian for the first time showed that the mouse, at least on their own private channel is going to let the TV shows play with the top shelf toys. Yeah. They're going to get, you know, they're going to, it's like letting your kid sister play with your prize crown jewel collectible toy. Like, are they going to like, that shows a lot of confidence that they're no longer going to like, okay, well there's the main stuff you take seriously. And here's the bullshit that we do for, for kids and for the fanboys. Um, and, you know, as far as I've been thinking about this a lot and I'm like, is there enough nerds that will keep a year round thing like this going? And I realized the perfect analogy is. Sports. Like, it's not uncommon to find dudes that are into baseball, basketball and football. And if you are mm-hmm. into it at all, you're watching a dozen hours plus of this stuff and you're watching news about it and you're talking to your buddies about it. And that maps almost nicely onto the nerd sphere. And also, like, if you think of, like, you know, housewives and yeah. like soap operas where they might watch two or three hours of those per day over weeks and weeks and years and years, like if they can tap into that kind of loyalty and it just so happens that, like, you know, there's a lot more crossover now. Like, it's not uncommon to be, like, really into football and Star Wars, but like if they can tap into that kind of passion, you know, where you like, you know, that kind of identity almost of like, I'm a Star Wars nerd. I'm a fo- I love football. I'm a fan of the Indianapolis Colts or whatever. Yeah. There's almost an infinite appetite for that kind of stuff. So, and they can do it. They picked the perfect time to try it too, with the pandemic shutting down all of sports and making sports games. Like it's something I don't hear nearly as much about, right? Because they had to shut down for a while. And when they came back, the sports that did come back, they're had some troubles are weird. Right. It's not, it doesn't have the same feel. And so for Disney to launch what is a all out entertainment onslaught during that particular part where people are stuck at home, can't go to football games, right? Because that's a large part of being hyped for something is participating in it directly. Well, you can still get on the internet and participate with uh, your, your friends and family about uh, star Wars. 
It's a yeah. great time to launch this thing. They kicked it off with a bang. I, I think you're right. It's still premature um, to really crown this as a victor, but also it's got a good shot. Yeah. I almost feel like it shouldn't like uh, this. This feels like a category that maybe we just didn't have enough this year because like I, yeah. Like, yeah. What are you going to do? It's like there, there, there's the risk, but what did it crater or did it succeed? Like it's going to, we won't know at least till a year from now, probably too. Yeah. Cause like, even if there's an initial amount of excitement, can they sustain it, you know, over the long haul? And it's, it's an open mm-hmm. question. You know, I just, I just don't know. Um, the new Pope. This fits in this category because it's been many years since the young Pope enthralled us. And while the new Pope or the young Pope didn't feel like it was definitively final. It was pretty final. We mm-hmm. didn't need another. We didn't need an, We didn't need a new Pope. Um, and also it's big shoes to fill. Yeah. Like the new, the young Pope had a particular style and aesthetic and an aesthetic and, and cast and things it wanted to say. And one of the most magnetic parts of that was Jude law. And that motherfucker's in a coma yep. for half of the season. If not more, more, a lot more. It's like nine tenths of this season or something. <laughs> This is an insane. This was an, an, and then you're going to replace him with like a polar opposite. You're going to go to, yeah. um, uh, 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 John Malkovich, who I didn't be, you know, admittedly was, was, uh, you know, an interesting choice. And I immediately, like, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, okay, I can kind of, this is kind of interesting too. He's, uh, uh, completely different than, than the previous Pope Pius, but, um, and it, it also by getting Jude Law to picture allowed them to like really build like Cardinal Voello and uh, Sophia. Uh, mm-hmm. God damn, Sophia was so good. She's more of a minor character to Esther last season. They built, did some really interesting things with Esther. Some like challenging work, like yeah. things that like I don't even know if I'm agreeing with what the hell I'm seeing or what they're doing here. But I've never seen anything like it either. And God is just so gorgeous and so, for me at least, emotionally resonant and said a lot of things that like I kind of like uh, agree with on the best parts of religion. And um, yeah, I, it's it's one of my, the, my one of my the, the favorite one of my favorite things that came out last year. Um, it's gorgeous to look at, uh, really thought provoking, funny, very funny in places. Yeah, and uh, I man, if they. They come back with the old Pope because now at the end of the, the state of the game, I, you so maybe I'll stop. I don't want to spoil it because I know you haven't seen the last episode and yeah. maybe some people want to. But like I, I they're really set up to do uh, the old Pope. if They want to do the a perfect trilogy. <laughs> but you know pope. what? Higher risk, higher reward if they do, because yep. also they left it at a fun kind of definitive place, just like they did last time. So, yeah, you didn't need this. Um, you weren't even sure if you wanted it. But when you got it, it was definitely worth it. That's that's kind of the definition of high risk, high reward. And, you know, it's, it's not also, on everybody's radar, radar, right? It's like, eh, OK, right. well, we watch this niche show that not a lot of people watched. But for us, this was yeah. high risk, high reward. Yeah. And uh, it's also it's a super sexy show, too. Oh, yeah. If you just you like watching good, good looking people do it, you know. And, I mean, the and intros like, did sexy nuns, so, you know, did sexy nuns, sexy dancing. With sexy uh, lighting and and Jude Law shaking his his uh, white white speedo covered ass ample Uh, buttocks yeah yeah it's got something for everybody honestly Um, sure what what's your sexuality new pope's got it yeah (laughs) so all right there and then 
Corona rice. <laughs> Why is this here? I was, you know, I, I keep, I keep my, I keep tabs in the world news and I heard about this coronavirus stuff starting in February. And, you know, like uh, this, uh, this is not the first time I've gone through a worldwide virus panic, you know, had Ebola just a couple of years back. Uh, SARS came out. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like every, the media always covers it as like, oh my God, scientists say it could be this, could be that. The thing is different is like this thing kept on like instead of like, well, scientists say and then, well, it turns out, you know, whatever, it didn't spread as fast or wasn't as lethal or, you know, blah, blah, blah. We were able to successfully contain it. Like all the grim predictions started coming true and you saw what it did to the, the yep. Wuhan province of China. You saw what it was doing to like, wasn't it Northern Italy, Italy that was hit Holy particularly shit. hard? Yeah. Like those shots of like hundreds of people like lying in the hallways, like dying and gasping and like, you know, like, you know, like, um, people being stored in like fucking box trucks and shit. Like it was like, that was different. That's different, you know? Yeah. Um, so in early March, like I started thinking like, God, if this look like really hits and overwhelms the hospitals and, you know, uh, I've seen movies like contagion and things like that. Like what, what happens to the food supply? And just, just to make myself feel better. I bought a 50 pound bag of rice from Sam's club. My Cecily made fun of me. Everyone made, made, made fun of me, but you know what? Uh, we had a whole bunch of potatoes and a whole bunch of canned food and rice. And I knew that like my family could probably ride out a month or two and not having food. Yeah, I mean, the, the risk here is you spend a, you know, a 50 pound bag of rice is cheap. I think is what it costs. Yeah. It sure. costs 16 bucks for this uh, 50 pound bag of rice. The risk is, yeah, you spend all that money on tons of rice and it goes bad before you can get it. It gets worms in it or something. And yeah, it turns out you <sighs> never needed it rice. in the first place. It's, it's yeah. risky. You know, it's risky. It's risky. And it led to me buying an instant pot and learning like a million different ways to cook rice. And I'm about 20. I'm about 75 percent away through that Corona rice with still another two months to go. Yeah. Before it turns one year old. Uh, I say it paid off. I say it paid off because like I tell you what, those first few weeks in like around March 13th through 15th, where all the store shelves were empty. I started really thinking, I'm glad I bought that fucking bag of rice now. Turned out yeah. that like not not even hand sanitizer and toilet paper was that really short in supply, uh, right? And once yet, we're over the initial panic. But yeah, Corona rice, high risk. <laughs> I I really I really put those sixteen I really hung those sixteen dollars out right way over the edge. Sixteen bucks ass is hanging <laughs> way out there exposed, and <laughs> yeah. So man, where do you put this stuff? Uh... Can I can I formulate a a list here? Uh yeah, first of all, the Star Wars MCU is disqualified. Yep. Uh, Which means so we automatically and, have and a top 3. Corona Rice is a farce. Uh so like you got Bill and Ted and New Pope duking it out. And I think I feel good about the list as it stands. What do you think? Yeah, New Pope is a better product, but also like Bill and Ted was like it wasn't beloved by the masses, right? By millions. Uh, new yeah. Pope. So Bill and yeah, Ted is. Like, Bill and Ted had like, in fact, like, and the, the thing is, is like, I felt like those movies got better the further back they got in a rear view mirror. Like people are like, you yeah. know, hey, let's go watch a, that stupid movie that probably doesn't hold up. Oh, actually, this is still fun to watch. And, you know, early work by Keanu. Everybody loves Keanu. Like, really, the whole world's in love with Keanu right now. He might be mm-hmm. like, uh, y- you know, he's ready to start a cult if he wanted to. 
Um, and this could be his first misstep, you know, like remember when John Travolta came back and everybody's like, ah, John Travolta. Yeah, we really like this guy. And then like, oh, wait, he's a Scientologist and and he kind of chews scenery. And oh, Jesus, he's a seven. He's a 10 foot tall lizard man in this movie. Ah, <laughs> and, and, and now look at him like Keanu was staring that down. Getting Bill and Ted band back together, getting the wild sounds back together. I, I do think it's number one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm good with this. This list here. I'm good with making this category disappear entirely. Let's crown it. Um, Let's mark the nominees because MCU's disqualified and we only need top three anyway. We're good. That's it. Yep. That takes care of uh, today's topics. That takes care of yeah. our today's topics. Yeah. All cool. right. Baldi's day one deliberations in the can. 